Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. You believe that? When the night is holding on, that God is holding on. Yeah. We're talking about scars. Talking about scars. Who, who here has a good scar story? You got a good scar story? I got some good scar stories. If you guys watching online, welcome, by the way. We're glad you're joining with us. We're worshiping together today. Uh, you can write it in the comments. You could even be here writing in the comments. We, I'd love to hear your scar stories. Would you write, write me a little note in the comments there? My son is six years old, and it just felt like the right time to buy him a pocket knife. Swiss Army, I had this little red Swiss Army pocket knife that I've been saving for him, and uh, some of you guys are going to call Child Protective Services on me now. You know, and it was so cool, like showing him how to open it, showing him how to close the knife, you know, and having the talk. Having the father, son, son, there comes a time in a man's life that he gets a knife. And we had the talk, and, you know, knowing that he's going to cut himself. Like, I know he's going to cut himself. But before that happened, because like, it's, it's like, it's kind of good sometimes, like, within the safety and the love of your home to, like, make mistakes and then have this environment where... You can do that, and you go, ouch, that hurts, right? But before, I knew, I knew he was going to cut himself, but I'm like, you know what? Before it happens, I'm going to tell him my scar story because I want him to have respect for this tool. It's not a weapon. It's a tool, right? And I'm teaching him about it, and I'm saying, hey, here's what can happen if you don't respect this knife. And I told him the story about my Christmas when I was six, and my dad got me a fishing kit. And in that fishing kit, it was, I remember when I opened this thing, it was like the angels were singing. Oh, there was this amazing bone-handled, leather-sheathed fishing knife. And it was like, it, I felt like Conan the Barbarian with this thing. I got this fishing knife, and I was like, wow, this is power. This is sheer power. No, but I, I, I thought it was, it was just like when you're a kid, you know, it's just this amazing moment, right? Your dad, he gave me a knife, and I, I respected it. My dad had the talk with me. I was like, I'm going to be careful with this knife. I'm going to use it. to. I'm going to catch fish. Little did I know I'd become a fisherman uh, today, uh, and, and, but as a little kid, I just, it was in my heart. I was like, I'm going to catch fish. I'm going to clean some fish with this knife, you know, and Johnny Herpick, the neighbor, this is the neighbor. My, my neighbor friend, there's, you always, always, everyone had that neighbor friend that was like, they were trouble. And your mom didn't want you hanging out with Johnny Herpick, you know what I'm saying? This is the guy that when we were playing soccer together and they gave us all those chocolates to sell, like we went and hid in the park and we ate all the chocolates. You know, like this, and this is the guy that like would have a standoff with his mom on the front porch with the hose, like just notorious. He comes over to my house, I don't know what my parents were thinking, letting Johnny Herpick come over to my house after Christmas, and it's like, you know, you guys show the gifts, right? Like, Look at my gift. And he, when he saw that knife, he was like, oh. His eyes got this big, and he grabbed a hold of that knife, and it was like he just got a hold of power 
And he was like not, he didn't have the talk, you know what I'm saying, that my dad had with me. And so he's like, whoa, like full on like ninja moves on this thing. Look at this knife. And I'm like, Johnny, you got to be careful. Johnny. And he's like waving it at me. And so I grabbed his hand like this. And he just goes, boom. And blood squirting everywhere. You know, I mean, like, I'm horrified. Like, my, he cut, like, all the way through my, like, a couple of my fingers, but mainly the first one. You know what I'm saying? The index finger. It's, like, hanging on with a thread, and it's shooting out like this. And No, not really, but it was pretty, like, in my mind, like, I, I remember, you know, isn't it funny, like, you have all these good memories in your childhood? Like, I had a great childhood, but, like, this moment is the one I remember. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do we remember the painful moments the most? You know, it's like the trauma and it's just like, whoa, I'm freaking out, mom, you know? And we, she rushes me to the doctor, and they stitch me up, and I'm showing my son. I'm like, hey, look. You can see the stitch marks all the way around my finger. You know what I'm saying? Like full on just shish kebab, the thing. All the way around, and, and, uh, it, it, and it was a cool moment, because I was like, hey, isn't it cool? Because like I got his attention now. Isn't it cool that God created us with the ability to heal. Aren't you grateful for that? That God has given us the ability to heal. Like even when you go through a gnarly thing in life or a car accident, you might get beat up, but God created us. Like I, we, I mean, I pray for healing. I believe in healing. Like if someone's sick, the Bible says, lay hands on them, pray for them. And I've seen people get healed that way instantly, and I love that. I pray for that. But oftentimes, God chooses to heal over time, Right? Like, the, the phrase you've heard before is, time heals. I agree with that. I believe that God heals over time. And, but we don't always give him the credit for that. You know what I'm saying? How many things have we healed from? And maybe we didn't thank God because it was actually over time. But we can look back and go, wow, look at the scars. And we all have scars, right? Amen? But what about the really hard stuff? We all have the, the finger stories or the time when I was running with a knife and stabbed it through my leg. Uh, I, I have so many, I have so many stories. I mean, yeah, jumping off the roof into the pool and hitting my shin on the side. I mean, I have stories, you know. So there, but, but we have those kind of stories, but then there's like real life, right? The real life stuff that we go through. You know, and as a pastor, I walk with people through real life stuff and people in our community Loss of loved ones, loss of a job, you know, the, the, the breaking apart of a relationship, betrayal. There, there is some painful stuff. There is some suffering that we go through. And oftentimes in those moments, we ask that question, why? And that's kind of what the book of Job is all about. If you're new to the Bible, it's not pronounced job. Like, you're unemployed, you're looking, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe this book will, it's not going to help you find a job, okay? The book of Job, it's part of the poetic literature in the Bible, wisdom literature in the Bible, uh, um, and, and so wisdom, we got, we got Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job, okay? Proverbs is like wisdom from a dad to a son, young man, and like, hey, if you're foolish, bad things are going to happen to you, Right? And if you're wise, good things are going to come. How many of you guys know like 99%? I mean, most of the time, that's true, right? But then as you get a little older, start reading, you kind of resonate with Ecclesiastes, where Ecclesiastes is kind of like, well, 
sometimes, you know, like, like, right? Like, sometimes you're good, bad things happen to good people. And sometimes good things happen to people that do evil. Like, they don't always get what's coming, right? And you're like, ah, I don't know, right? And so there's this Ecclesiastes, and then the book of Job is kind of like all about that. And this question of why do, why do we suffer? Why does God let us suffer? And so Tim kicked us off last week, did a great job talking about how Job is like this pretty blameless guy. Like, he's a good dude. Like, good things are happening to him. And then you, and the, and there's this, like, little meeting in heaven. It's kind of messing with your theology, right? Because you have this meeting in heaven where God's like, hey, check out my, my homie. Check out my boy Job here. This guy's blameless. He's balling. I mean, he's got all these livestock, and he's got homes and his family. It's like every point of blessing. And then we meet the Satan, which, which literally means the one opposed. And he shows up in this meeting. He's like, well, I think Job is just serving you because you bless him, right? He's just good because you're doing good things for him. See what happens if bad things happen to him. So then, then the Satan, God allows him to mess with Job. And that messes with my theology, right? Does that mess with you a little bit? You're like, wait, why, what, what, what's going on here? Why is this happening? And, you know, we live in a broken world. And there, are, there is one opposed. And there is, we're a fallen world where sin has entered. And, and, and there's brokenness. And there's things that happen. And, and, um, and Job loses everything. His family, his, all of his wealth in an instant. His health. And this is where we pick up. This is the message that Tim left me to teach. 30 chapters of the in-between. Because you have the blessing and then the fallout, and then you have this restoration at the end where we're going to hear about in the coming weeks. But there's the, how many times do you, have you guys been in the middle where you're like, it doesn't make sense. This hurts. This sucks. Where are you, God? And that's where we find Job. We're going to take a look at Job chapter 3. Which, why are we talking about this right now? Just a side note. You're like, we're coming out of COVID. We're coming into summer, right? It feels good for a lot of us. But did you know that this is exactly the perfect storm for people that battle depression? That people that deal with suicidal thoughts or that commit suicide, this is the highest rate, time of year for depression, and it's kind of like everyone's getting stoked and back to life, and you just feel even more alone. And uh, we're going to speak to that today a little bit, because that's what, that's, that's the scripture that Tim gave me, left me with. Here's Job, chapter 3, after this, so this, all this stuff happens, goes down, Job's blameless, everything gets taken away, and here he is. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, may the day of my birth perish, and the night it was said a boy is born. That day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. May darkness and deep shadow claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm its light. 
that night may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. May that night be... He keeps going. Literally, for 33 chapters... And then we have his friends that enter the scene and they start asking questions because they read Proverbs. They read Proverbs like, hey, bro, like all this stuff is happening to you. You must have done something. You must really be a bad person. How helpful is that? Anyone got friends like that? They're, you don't, they're called frenemies. You don't need frenemies in your life, right? You're trying, to, you're trying to like just get through the day and they come alongside you and they're like, it's okay, bro. Everything happens for a reason. Do you believe that? That like my friend who lost his wife to suicide, like you can say that, but that doesn't that's not true. That doesn't that doesn't help anyone. You get what I'm saying? And sometimes we learn these kind of quick liner one-liners. Let go, love, let, let go, let God. You know, and you're like, the last thing you need in that moment is somebody to drop a one-liner on you. And here's Job in the lowest of low. I mean, he is at the bottom. He's gone. I mean, I, I've been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. I don't know, like, I don't know anyone that's been through, like, the level of devastation that Job goes through. Coming from a place of high to just nothing, suffering. And he's wrestling with this question, why? And all of the answers through 30 chapters, none of the answers fit. Some of them are just flat out crazy and wrong. And some of them are like, well, but at the end of the day, you come through this and none of these answers are helping. And it's interesting to me that Job, in his suffering, his questions are theological. Have you ever, have you ever been through that time, that time in your life where you're going through something and you're actually questioning, God, are you good? And you're questioning, God, are you there? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And that's the dangerous thing about our scars is because when we go through something and we have a scar, it can affect what we believe, especially when we're young, right? We're forming our belief system, and something happens. And not only does it form a memory that I can remember to this day, Johnny Herpix, slice on my hand like a filet, you know, I can remember like the exact details, the smells, the sights, like, I mean, like it was yesterday. But I also, but, but when we go through scars, and I'm talking about the other kind, the deeper kind. They can form a belief. Those questions can lead to a belief. What did you make that mean for you? And so we wrestle with God in this moment. We wrestle with this question of suffering. And I just want to share a couple thoughts with you that I hope are helpful. But my main, my main message here today is that you're not alone. If you're going through stuff, if you're having scary thoughts, if you're feeling down, if you've gone through suffering, you're not alone.
and you're in good company. And the first thing I want to say to you is that it's okay to not be okay. When I see this, that this is part of Scripture, that God chose to include this in his inspired word of God, that, that he includes Job wrestling with God, questioning God, doubting God, wondering, God, why, where are you? That to me, that tells me that it's okay to not be okay. Job was not okay. And we've all been through those moments where we're not okay. And here at Hope, we want to create an environment where you can be not okay. It's okay to not be okay. And in that, because I think sometimes we, 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 we don't feel like it's okay to not be okay, so we don't, we're not going to be real. But when you can't be real, you can't be loved, and you're in isolation. Do you get what I'm saying? And so you, it's okay to not be okay. God is okay with your honesty. He's not afraid of it. He's not, he's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubts. We're going to have next week where we hear God's answer, his reply. And it's powerful. But to me, the almost as powerful is the fact that like, this is included in Scripture. Someone who's cursing the day that they were born. Wrestling with these questions. With his friends. I mean, look, look at the friend, and here comes the friends. Job, consider now who being innocent has ever perished. Where were, you, where were the upright ever destroyed? As I observed, those who plow evil and those who show tr sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God they are destroyed. At the blast of his anger they perish. Not helpful. And then Job just on and on. A despairing man should have devotion for, of his friends, even though he forsakes the, fears of the, the fear of the Almighty. Like, in other words, even though I'm having questions, like, I, I need to have friends. I need to have people around me. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow, right? These are great friends. It's okay to not be okay. There's this, there's this perception in Christianity. And I want to, this is one of the things, like, we wanted to create a culture here where you can be not okay. I talked to someone this morning, and I, lo I love this. This person was honest about, hey, I'm not really on the whole bandwagon yet with the J, the J team. I'm not quite there yet, but, but I'm, I'm feeling it out. I'm, I'm testing the waters. I'm putting my feet. I like, I like you guys. I like the music. And I love that we can be a place where people can be in process because we're all in process, Amen. And, and oftentimes we find ourselves in a place where we're not okay. And in order to grieve, you need to be not okay for a while. You need to look down for a while. You need to look up, but first you need to look down. It's okay to be honest about where you're at and having questions, doubts, fears. In the pain, we need to grieve and we need to be not okay. The second thing I want to say is this. It's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to not have all the answers. If there's one thing about Job that, you know, we have this one big question, why do people suffer? And basically God answers it by not answering. That's basically the point of Job, right there in a nutshell, is that God is God. And the world has fallen, it's broken, and bad things happen, and yet God is with us and he is God but it's okay to not have all the answers. Job's friends lengthy lectures about 
what Job did wrong weren't helpful, right? Look at, look at what it says, Job 42, 7. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, this is one of his friends, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Right? So God is, God is not happy with these friends. Job in verse 16, uh, verse, chapter 16, verse 2, he says, I've heard many things like these. You are miserable comforters, all of you. Have you, ever just, I mean, have you ever just been going through something and people just say the dumbest stuff? Like, my wife was pregnant, our first pregnancy, and what did they say? What did they, somebody said something to her. Oh, yeah, somebody said, sometimes when you're pregnant, your toenails fall off. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh my God, my toes are going to fall off. Like, my toenails, I mean, just people say the dumbest stuff, you know? But it, it can be really it can be really difficult when you're going through, like there was a time where my wife Jenny and I, years back, we went through a really difficult time. Really difficult time. And we had a Christian community around us and there was some people that very well-meaning just wanted to, like out of their need to feel like they were doing something good, they felt like they needed to say something to fix it and drop those little Christian one-liners on us. And they wanted to pray for us, which is like really cool. Someone wants to pray for you, but sometimes people want to pray for you and fix you and have it be done right now. And it's like, okay, now move on. And that just was not helpful. In fact, it was really painful because it made us feel even more alone. And maybe you felt like that. And I just want to give permission, like, it's okay to not have all the answers. In fact, sometimes that's the best thing you can do. When your kid's going through something, instead of giving them a lecture about all the things that they did right and wrong and everything, like sometimes they just need you to be there, right? And that's my last point today, is that it's, it's not okay to not be okay alone. You know what I'm saying? It's not okay to, to go through it alone. It's not okay to go, if you're not okay, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not be okay alone. Because God wants to put us in a family. He wants to put people around us. And Job's friends were condemned by God for their lengthy speeches, but they actually did a couple things right. They didn't get it all wrong. Let's look at this passage, Job 2, 11 to 13. And th there's actually something that they did right. They just didn't stop there. They just kept going. So here we go. Uh, uh, Job 2, 11 through 13. When Job's three friends, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar, it's a good name. People don't usually name their kids. Zophar, probably in Santa Cruz, though, maybe. I could see that. This is my son, Zophar. I call him Z for short. Uh, the the Nahamite, Nahamthite, Nahamathite, Nahamathite. There we go, Nahamathite. Heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one had said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Sometimes we just need to shut up. They came to him. Two, three things that they did right. They came to him in his suffering 
They empathize with him, which is different than sympathy. Do you understand the difference between sympathy and empathy? Empathy is, I want to feel what you're feeling. Sympathy is, I know what you're going through. But sometimes we don't really know what someone's going through, and when we say that we know what they're going through, and we tell our story, it's not helping them. You ever done that? Or have you ever had that happen before you're going through something? I've totally done this to people as a pastor, too. I'm learning to not do this, but, like, someone's going through something, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I went through the same thing, and this happened, and I totally get you. And, I, you know, like, and they're like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't get me. So I'm learning to have empathy instead of sympathy. Empathy is I want to help me understand. Tell me more. I'm so sorry. Help me. I want to feel what you're feeling. I think in our world, you guys, right now, we, have, we, have, we need less opinions and more empathy. A lot of these division issues and racial and political and the, you know, COVID stuff, like if we just could have more empathy, it would go a long ways. Love goes a long ways, you guys. Love covers a multitude of sins, right? Love is, lo- love is what it's all about. And empathy is, is, is loving someone. There's a time and a place to speak truth into someone's life. Absolutely, right? Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. There's times in our life where we need, like, sometimes you need a swift kick in the butt too, right, from a friend. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, Proverb says. But when we're suffering, listening goes a lot longer, goes a lot further. My old pastor used to say this, Ron Pinkson, my mentor, he would say, listen, love, then lead. Right? So if we want to come in and lead someone to the Lord, speak the truth. Brother, you're in sin. Doesn't help, usually. Until I understand where they're coming from. I listen. I love like Jesus loved. And then they give you permission to lead. That's what we're called to do. Number one, they came to him in his suffering. Two, they emphasize with him. This isn't in the notes, but this is just a bonus here. They, they empathize with him. Didn't just sympathize. Empathize with him. And then three, they spent time with him. They gave him the gift of presence. Isn't that what we all need sometimes? The gift of presence. Um, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And we can do the same thing for those that are suffering. As a church community, we get to be a family that has guests over every Sunday. We're a family that is not biological, but is spiritual, right? And we can invite people into our family. That's what Jesus did. That's how he made disciples. Was he said, come do life with me. Be part of my family. And so we have this opportunity to invite people in to join this family and to not be alone. Some of you here today, you need to hear that today. You are not alone. It's okay to not be okay. And if you feel alone, I'm sorry. I'm not going to try to fix that. I'm just going to be here with you. There was a time in my life, you guys, I know, like, I don't know what you think about pastors. I'm always happy. I'm always stoked, you know. Like, come up here. Yeah, let's go. Come on. And I, I, that is part of who I am. But, like, that's not always who I was. I have a story, too. And I, ha- I had those low moments, those dark moments. I'll never forget it. Being in high school, 
feeling hopeless. On the outside, again, how many of you guys know, a lot of times people that are going through it, that are suffering, that are depressed, that are having scary thoughts, aren't always the people you think. And sometimes they're the people that laugh the most. Sometimes they're the people that look the most together. And behind the scenes, there's addiction, there's suffering, there's depression, there's loneliness. And that was me. And on the outside, I looked fine. Very, very great parents. So many things I could tell you that are a blessing. But I remember being in my room at night, burning myself, cutting myself because of the pain. And despair. Thinking about ending my own life. How many of you guys know there is one opposed in this world? And it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to, that's his ultimate win, is if he can speak those lies that you are alone and get you to feel alone and isolate yourself and, 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 just, and just be alone in your pain and then just keep speaking these lies. And you're asking these questions, God, why? Where are you? But you're alone. And God wants you to know that you are not alone. You're going to hear the end of this story and you're going to see that God was with Job all along, even in those questions. And he is with you. And that's part of my story is that my prayer was, God, I don't want to be alone. And the answer to that prayer was God actually bringing some really cool people into my life to come alongside me and that I could talk to and be honest with, to pray with me in the right timing, but people that would, would walk that road with me. And I wouldn't be here today, friends. I honestly can tell you, a lot of my friends are not here anymore. Most of my friends. Ventura's most wanted. Suicide, drug overdose. You name it. A lot of my friends are not here. Johnny Herpick is not here anymore. So, you can't, you can't, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not be okay alone. And if you are going through it right now, if you're suffering, we want you to know that you have a family. We want to invite you to tell somebody. If it's not me, let it be one of the leaders. There's a lot of people here. We're a community for each other. Amen? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831 800 Thanks again for tuning in.